Hey, good morning, guys, and welcome all the kids. Man, we love having the kids in here. I love having the kids in here. Now, I saw the parents vote. I just want to say that I took note of that, parents, but we, we, we only do this a few times a year, like four times a year, and there's a strategy behind that, and one of the strategies is just to give our kids a feel for an adult service. Now, kids, when I was growing up, I went to church every Sunday morning, and then every Sunday night went back to church in a service a lot like this. And I learned to be a pretty good drawler because of that. Drew all kinds of pictures. So, so enjoy drawing pictures, but you are important. And I just want to say this to all the kids. Pastor Faith, she's such a great pastor, but also Pastor Jacob, Pastor Mauricio, Pastor Deborah, myself, also, we want to be your pastors too. So it's not just Pastor Faith. We love you guys, and you're an important part of our church. And our church is a special family. And one of the things that we identify as is a three streams church. I want to remind you of that. What are the three streams? Think about three different S's, spirit and scripture and sacrament. And in case you've never noticed this, in our logo, we have three streams there. And every once in a while, people will say, oh, I've never seen that before. So I thought, hey, let's just all see it together today. And so that's what that cool logo is. Quite a bit of work went into that logo, by the way. So, you know, when we were going to put it on the building, that was quite an expense. So we put some effort to it. So three, that reminds us of the three streams, spirit, scripture, and sacrament. Well, we're going to get into the scripture today, and this is part 12 of verse by verse through the book of Philippians. The series is called Joyful, because Philippians talks about joy really more than any other book in the Bible. Even though the guy who wrote Philippians wrote it from prison, he was in prison for Jesus, and yet he reference joy over and over and over again. We can learn something from that. So we'll be in Philippians chapter three in just a couple of minutes. I knew a guy one time that was really, really worried about money. Uh, Financial security was so important to him. And, And I'll acknowledge this. I think financial security is important to all of us adults. And so I'm not pointing him out in particular, but he was unusually obsessed with financial security. And he would say, um, you know, as long as I have my house, I'll be okay. And what he was referring to was a rental house that he had, and he had organized his finances in such a way. And he thought, as long as I have a rental house, that my house, I'll be okay. And then the year 2008 happened. For those of you who don't know or don't remember, uh, there was a housing market crash at that time. Something that he really put his faith in and his security in. And and you could think, well, the value of this house will always be at this level. And we didn't know there were things happening in the larger economy that made house values so fragile back in 2008 into 2009. I say all of that is because we all rely too much that you need to make sure that it's submitted to him. It may be your occupation, and you think, hey, I, I worked really hard to get to the place that I am right now, and so this job is my security. It may be your church, our church. It may be a pastor that you really can believe in, and you believe in that pastor's uh, lifestyle or that pastor's perspective on life. A lot of times we 
put our security in our identity, our identity as a spouse. And we're like, well, you know, because I'm a husband or a wife or because I'm a son or a daughter and we have our identity attached to our parents. There's all types of things that we could talk about. There's like a long list we can, we can make of where we put our identity in. The Jewish people put their identity in something that seems unusual to us today, but this one thing made the Jewish people different than the rest of the world. It was something physical. It was circumcision. And they were God's special people. And one of the ways God marked them, at least they were marked physically, is through circumcision. Today, we're going to see the passage where Paul, who wrote Philippians, reminds us that once Jesus came and instituted the kingdom of God, physical circumcision didn't make a difference to spiritual status. Now, this may not mean anything to you right now, but as you look at the scripture, you're going to see application to your life to know that something that generations, I'm talking thousands of years, people had said, this one thing is what makes us different. And then Jesus says, no, there's something greater. There's something greater than this one distinguishing mark, and that is my work in your life. And I just want you to see that with whatever you're putting your confidence in, putting your confidence in your ability to to be good at sports, putting your confidence in your ability to sing, putting your confidence in your ability to, to make a sale, putting your confidence as an entrepreneur. All of these things are gifts from God. But that's not where our identity comes from, and that is not where our future lies. And you're going to see that through the passage today. So before I read the passage, I'm going to give you my first point, because I'm going to give you two warnings and then three opportunities. Here's the first warning. Watch out for, well, this is the title of my message, Where Is Your Confidence? Thank you. Thank you, operator of the computer. The title of my message is called Where Is Your Confidence? And here's my first point. Watch out for misplaced confidence. Watch out for misplaced confidence. And I've already spoken to that today. That very thing that we rely on is vulnerable and has to be, and we have the opportunity to submit it to Jesus Christ. Now we're going to read the passage today, not fully because we're covering verse 1 through 11. So instead of reading verse 1 through 11 and then rereading it, we're just going to read these, these scriptures in sections. And the first time we'll, we'll do our custom. And in case you don't know what our custom is, after I read the first scripture, I'm going to present it and say, this is the word of the Lord. And kids, you're going to want to remember this. And then you can respond. Some of you already did. It's like instinctive. Thanks be to God. And so we want to thank God for his word because we don't rely on preaching. We rely on scripture, right? We don't rely on being entertained and Man, I hope Aaron's funny this morning because I'm sleepy. That's not what we're relying on. We're relying on the living word of God that impacts our life. So as I present to you the word of the Lord, you can say, thanks be to God. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. In addition, in addition to what? Everything I preached about the last 11 weeks. That's what it's in addition to. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write, to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Can I just say something real quick? I thought on Family Sunday, this would have been a great time for me to have 
a dog walk through the service. But, you know, I just want you to know that creative thought crossed my mind, but then I taught myself out of it. So you wouldn't have forgot it, but back to the scripture. Verse two, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. These are strong, strong language from the apostle Paul. For we are the circumcision. Now I want you to think about that. He's saying now, it's not the physical circumcision. It's now a spiritual circumcision. Think about this. We, the church, we, the family of God, we who belong to Jesus, we are the circumcision, circumcision, the one who worship by the spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Amen. So he says, watch out. Watch out for the dogs. Hey, that's going to catch their attention when they heard this read. Hopefully it caught your attention today. Watch out for, it gets even stronger, for evil workers. Watch out for mutilators of the flesh. And that's directly tied to physical circumcision. Really strong language. Watch out for those people who want you to think your confidence is in physical circumcision. He says, no, we are, we are the church. We are the redeemed. We are the ones who belong to Jesus. And so I've asked you already kind of casually, but I want to ask you even more specifically right now, where is your confidence? Where is your confidence? That's the title of this message today. Where is your confidence? Because this sermon I'm preaching and these sacraments that sit before you and this service that we designed here at 9 a.m. and we'll repeat at 1045 and this church that you're in the middle of a building that represents our church family and this faith that has been around 2,000 years since Christ and even longer since Abraham. All of these things exist so that you may have confidence, not in yourself, but in Jesus. So every time we gather, every time we bring you to scripture, we bring you to the sacraments, we bring you to the family of God through small groups, Awana, CIL Youth, 242 small groups, all of these things are not to just build your self-image, They're to build your faith and confidence in the person of Jesus Christ. We are not going to rely on our religious pedigree. We're not going to rely on our experience of 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. We're not going to rely on our association with maybe someone who was a spiritual giant. You said, I sat under this person, or this person prayed for me, or I've been around for a while, and, and I've had exposure to lots of great men and women of God. We're not relying on that. We're not relying on denominational identity, and say, well, my family has always been Baptist, or we've always been spirit-filled, or we've always been Protestant. We're not relying on those types of descriptors. We're not relying on the fact that we're Americans. We're not relying on anything else other than Christ Jesus. He is the only one that we can put our confidence in you. For, for those of you who, who follow sports like I do, there's a, been a phenomena in the last 15 years or so, 20 years, that when a player's contract is about to come up, sometimes they renew the contract before it ends. Two years in advance, a year in advance, they renew the contract 
to lock it, that player in and that player, they have the advantage, whether it's baseball, football, soccer, whatever you choose, they have the advantage of having years of employment guaranteed. But sometimes, and this is happening even this summer with a lot of football players, instead of signing the contract before it expires, they let the contract expire believing that they can get more money in a year. And sports commentators say he or she is betting on themselves, right? They're betting that this season's going to be so good. They're going to throw so many more yards or they're going to hit so many home runs or they're going to make so many three-point shots that at the end of the year, even though they don't have a contract, they're betting on themselves, believing that they're going to make more money in the future. And, And that is kind of a mindset that we have as individuals, as people who have opportunity. But it doesn't work so well in the spiritual life. Because in the spiritual life, we're not to bet on ourselves. We're not to rely and have confidence in our abilities and in our morality and have confidence in in our worldview, in our perspective. No, as we sang earlier, it's not I, but Christ in me. Those things that I would have confidence in. I don't bet on myself. I bet on the Lord. And and he is a guaranteed bet, isn't he? He's faithful. He's unmovable. He's unshakable. He has always been and he will always be. Mankind, our, our success is temporary. It's fragile. It may not last. But for the Lord, we know that he is someone we can count on. That's why our confidence is in him. That brings me to my second Warning today, watch out for personal pride. Watch out for personal pride. Okay, this may apply to someone in here today, right? Okay, it applies to all of us today. Go to verse four. This is the Apostle Paul. This is, this is a somewhat complex sermon for, for a family Sunday, but you'll be surprised how much your kids are picking up as they, as they are, are doing their activities right now. Paul says, although I have reason for confidence in the flesh. In other words, he's saying, even though I could, I I have all of this confidence. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he's trying to make a point here and he starts bragging on himself a little bit. Verse five, circumcised the eighth day. That's a good thing to do if you're Jewish. That's what Jesus did. And so this is how people knew they were Jewish. So he's saying, I did the circumcision of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which was a special tribe that Saul came from. A Hebrew born of Hebrews. And now now he begins to almost like, give give me a challenge. I've got an answer. Regarding the law, a Pharisee. What does that mean? The, The Pharisees interpreted the law. They had laws about the laws. And so he was at the top tier of those who knew the law. Regarding zeal, meaning that, that passion for Yahweh, that passion for the things of God, he said persecuting the church. So if you, if you want to see if someone had zeal, I persecuted the church. And we know that he oversaw the, the imprisonment of people who believed in Jesus. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. So he claims even here to be blameless. This is the pride that comes when we put our confidence in our resume. And I I want to ask some of you, are you building your resume more than you're building your character? 
Are you building this resume just because you want to impress somebody at the next class reunion? Or if you run into your parents' friends somewhere and they, what are you doing now? You can tell them something important. But is Jesus the Lord of those sectors of your life? Is Jesus in charge of your career? Is Jesus in charge of your education? Is Jesus in charge of your travel schedule? Is Jesus in charge of the things that you read and the things you think about and your world perspective? Because I'm going to tell you, Paul is saying here, if anyone can brag, if anyone has a good resume, I do. No one's going to beat my resume. And he's establishing this, but you already know where we're going. Those things we build here on earth are so, so temporary. The wind of comparison comes. And we may be really proud of our resume until we meet the next person who's more impressive than us. And then all of a sudden, everything we're so proud of just kind of crumbles internally. The storm of adversity can change our resume. If we have physical sickness, if we unfortunately go through a family crisis, if there's something that we did not foresee, everything we built can change so quickly. The earthquake of tragedy. When tragedy comes to our lives or tragedy even comes to the community, it can change things. And we see those who have had natural disasters here in Tennessee, the people of Waverly, who 13 months ago, I mean, they, their life was was changed forever. Their lives were changed forever through the flood. And so we see local tragedies and national tragedies and personal tragedies and untimely deaths. Those things shake our resume. And sometimes we've, we've worked so hard to build something, that, but it doesn't last. And, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting we not be uh, people of hard work and people of godly ambition. But I'm saying, let's not build our lives on that. Let's not build our lives. We do that for his glory, not for our own, our own personal benefit. And this is what the scripture is speaking to me. So instead of watching out for these things, these things, I want to invite you, the scripture invites you to watch something else. Watch the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm going to give you three quick things and from the scripture that you can watch the Holy Spirit do. Here's the first one. Change my priorities. Change my priorities. Now let's go to verse seven. We're working our way from Philippians chapter three, verse one through verse 11. We're on verse seven now. But everything that was a gain to me, all the things I put on my resume, all of the successes that I've had, all the things that impress other people, this is everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Verse eight. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung. Do you know, do you know what dung means in the original language? Exactly what you're thinking. That's exactly what it meant originally, and that's what it means right there. I consider, all th I consider my resume as dung, so that I might gain Christ. What a statement. And be found in him, not having a righteousness from my own, from the law, not, not from this physical circumcision, but one that is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God based on faith. So this is a change of priorities. 
He's saying, now, instead of building my resume, I'm counting it all loss compared to knowing Christ. Now, guys, this scripture has meant a whole lot to me. Even since I was a teenager, this scripture has very much convicted me and it's very much shaped my life. So you might ask, Aaron, have you lived this scripture? Occasionally I have. Not all the time, if I'm being honest. Some months I have and some months I have not. Some years I have, some years I have not. It's kind of been a back and forth thing. There have been times in my life where I could say, I don't care about anything but Jesus. And there's been other times in my life, even as a pastor, that didn't, that wasn't true in my lifestyle. Now I say all of this is because this scripture is for all of you. Some of you might say, well, this scripture is just for the apostle Paul, or it's for the spiritual elite, or it's for the pastors, or it's for the people who preach. No, it's for all of you. This is an aspirational call that we keep laying down our resume, laying down the things important to us, laying down all of the things that bring self-fulfillment and say, compared to the greatness of Jesus, these things are dung. I've never used the word dung before this sermon, but it's working here. These things don't matter compared to Jesus. Is that true for me today? Kind of, but I want it to be, and I'm moving towards that. And, and even, even this sermon, I'm preaching the sermon, but this sermon is f- helping me focus. It's helping me to eliminate some things in my life. It's helping me to reprioritize. It's changing my priorities. I hope it changes yours too. A, a psalm that has m- meant so much to me, Psalm 27.4. I pray this at least once a week by God's grace. Psalm 27.4. I've asked one thing from the Lord, and it's what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon, verse five. Do we have verse five or just verse four? Gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. That's fine. I've asked one thing. And, and on my prayer list, when I get to this part of my prayer list, I said, Lord, make me a person of one thing. Make me a person of one thing who desires you more than anything. Make me a person of one thing that Jesus is my one thing. And Let me tell you how that prayer works in my life. Sometimes I really mean it and I feel it. I like Jesus, you're my one thing. Nothing compares to you. And sometimes that prayer is hard to pray because I like my life also. And I've noticed this in my life and I hope this helps you. That when things are kind of tough and things are hard, and things are not coming easy, it's easier for me to pray Psalm 27.4 because I'm like, God, you're my one thing. I'm low on money. I'm low on opportunity. I've made a mistake. You're my one thing, God. And that's good and appropriate to pray in times like that. But there's other times when, hey, life's going pretty good. And I have options and I'm looking forward to the next trip. And, and things are going good at, at my job, which is, means things are going good with you guys because you're my job. And, and hey, it's feeling good right now. And when I pray, Lord, you're my one thing, it's more aspirational. I'm like, God, I want you to be my one thing, but I'm really looking forward to this trip. And I'm really enjoying um, 
this new thing that I have, and I really enjoy popularity at the church right now. Everyone seems to be happy with me, and and it feels pretty good. And so even in the times, I'm telling you this, Philippians 3, Psalms 27, it's good to pray this. It's good to live this. And sometimes we live it and pray it out of desperation, and sometimes we do it out of aspiration, and we say, God, you bless me and I'm enjoying the world. But Jesus, help me to remember that it is all, I count it loss compared to knowing Jesus. Help me remember that Jesus, you're my one thing. Nothing compares to you. And this anchors our soul and keeps us from worldliness. You know, Jesus has so many blessings for us in this world. But what is a blessing can be turned into a curse if we don't keep it submitted to Jesus. And so we say, Jesus, you're my one thing. You're my one thing, Jesus. Even if I'm not popular, Jesus, even if, if it's a tough year, Jesus, even if finances are low, Jesus, even if I can't get alignment on this issue, you're my one thing. You're what counts, Lord. You're it. I'm, I'm going to tell you this will, this change of priorities will start impacting your life in the good seasons and in the challenging seasons. He, he's there for you. Here's the second one, changes my focus. The Holy Spirit changes my focus. So we've said, I count it all loss. I count it all dung compared to knowing you. And I look at verse nine. And be found in him, not having a righteousness on, of my own. What does it mean to have a righteousness on my own? When we start thinking, you know, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good person. I don't cuss, I don't dip, I don't chew, I don't go with girls who do. <laughs> I haven't used that joke in 20 years and you guys actually laughed. You laugh more than the funny things I say <laughs> because I am funny. Obviously that joke was not in the notes so it's a 9 a.m. special. But having a righteousness of my own in verse nine that means you're impressed with your morality. You're impressed the fact that you're disciplined with your mouth. You're impressed that you're a good parent. You're a good son or daughter. You're impressed that you are part of starting the Bible club at school. You're impressed that you're in leadership at the church. You're impressed that other people look up to you. That is when we can have a righteousness on our own. Put verse nine back up there for us. I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness on my own from the law, not having a cultural righteousness. Like, hey, he, he's, he's a good dude. She's a good lady. But one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on what? Faith, not based off works. So even on your most moral day, on the day when you get it right, you, you, you don't do anything wrong. Your thoughts are totally on the Lord. You're totally focused spiritually. Even then, your righteousness is not enough. Now, that's not bad news. That's good news because the righteousness of Jesus is yours all the time, every time. And my faith is not based off my resume, on my ability, on, on all of the things that I get accolades from. My my righteousness is based off Jesus Christ and him alone. I'm not earning salvation. I am receiving salvation. 
I, I am not running towards God and trying to get to God. I am in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, for the sake of the cross, for the sake of the resurrection. He has made me righteous because of what Jesus has done, not by work so that no man may boast. I'm not boasting in my morality. I'm not boasting in my discipline. I'm not boasting in my ability to know right for wrong. I'm boasting in the name of the Lord. I'm boasting in the character of God. I'm boasting in the faithfulness of the Lord. I'm boasting in the cross of Jesus. My focus changes. And guys, this is our aspiration that we get our eyes off ourselves and we get it on Jesus. A few years ago, I was driving to Chattanooga and I stopped and I got gas and I got a Coke Zero and I got a payday candy bar because Coke Zero cancels out the calories of a payday candy bar. And I got back in I-24 and I was just having a great time by myself. Had my music on, got to choose what I wanted to listen to. I love the drive from here to Chattanooga, trees, mountains. If you're from Texas, those are mountains. Those are big mountains because we're ranch, flatland. And I get down 20, 30 minutes just having a great time. And I realize something doesn't feel right. Guys, I had got on the wrong direction on I-24. I was headed back to Nashville, not to Chattanooga. So here's the deal. It didn't matter that I was enjoying myself. It didn't matter that my snack was good and the music was good and the trees were pretty. I was headed in the wrong direction. What determines the right direction? Where you want to go. The destination determines the direction. Some of us, the work of Christ changes our outcome. That's my last point today. It changes the direction of our life. That's called repentance. Repentance means you're walking this way and you turn and you walk the other way. You're, you're living, walking towards sin. Now you're walking towards Christ. You're driving towards Chattanooga, not Nashville. Not to say that Chattanooga is better than Nashville. I need to flip that metaphor next service. It changes your outcome. And here's the last Last two parts of scripture I want to read. Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. See, when we count it all loss compared to knowing Christ, it changes, it changes our goals, it changes our focus, and it changes our outcome. We move into God's preferred future. I had lunch this week with one of my friends who is a retired pastor. I started ministry so young. It's like most of my friends now are retired. I'm like, man, I still got 25 more years to go. So you guys, and, and good for them. And, and as, I, as, as I was talking to him, I, we talked about that. I said, yeah, I think I have 25 more years of ministry in me. And he looked at me and he said, it'll go by fast. 
It'll go by fast. And I felt those words at that moment. I felt that 20, 25 years is going to go by fast. Guys, me, Aaron, Allison, I can't live for pastoral success. I can't live for the respect I get as pastors. There's going to be a day coming. It's in the Lord's hands where I'm going to stand before God, not as Pastor Aaron, not as someone who's preached a lot of years. I'm going to stand before him as a son of God, as a son, as someone loved by him. And at that time, all of the things that I've been involved in mean nothing compared to knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being willing to suffer with him. You see, early on in our Christian walk, we think it's like this cause and effect. Follow Jesus and good things come your way. And then as we mature, we realize that follow Jesus and even when challenges come, good things come your way because he's with you all the time. Hey, if you're able to, I want us to stand and begin to, ready to receive ministry. And I want to share one more scripture with you as we, as we move to ministry time. As we look for a new outcome, some of you are disheartened by where your life is now. Some of you are upset where your life is now. Some of you feel time is slipping away and that your life is somehow not at the place it should have been at age, whatever age it is for you. Can I just tell you today, you have the wrong outcome in mind. You are eternal because of Jesus Christ. Your last breath on this earth is not the end. It's just the beginning of an eternity with Christ, an eternity that started when you received salvation through Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you with these words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. This is what the scripture says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep. That's those who have died. So that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's what we believe, right? Because of Easter. And in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Can you just put that back for a second? I want you just to re repeat this, this last phrase, starting with the word so. Let's say it together. One, two, three. So we will always be with the Lord. Now, here's, I'll read the rest of it. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So brothers and sisters, I wish I could guarantee you more money this week. I wish I could guarantee you a satisfying uh, experience uh, of adventure this week. I wish I could guarantee you a new house, a new car, all of those things. I can't guarantee you those things, but I have something more valuable. I have something more certain. I have something more true. I have something more encouraging. So we will be with the Lord forever. Guys, we have a destiny.
We have, God has a plan. Jesus said, I have gone before to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would not have told you so. Jesus is preparing a place for us so we don't have to get down and despondent and discouraged when life on this earth is not going the way we want to because we count all things lost compared to knowing Christ. And it's a certain Christ. It's not just a Jesus that's part of a storybook. It's a Jesus who's alive right now at the right hand of the Father. He's at a place of authority and he's preparing a place for you and your life is going to begin in the future. Your true life's going to begin when you enter the presence of the Lord and you see him face to face and you know him and this is what life is all about. And guys, we just need sermons like this. We need songs like Aubrey leads us in. We need to hear worship songs. We need to have groups, small groups together to keep reminding each other of the truth. The enemy wants to lie, call you insignificant. He wants to call your life a waste. He wants to call your life anonymous, but God sees your life. He sees your faith. He sees what he is transforming in you. And he has prepared a place for you that's greater than you could ever imagine. And I encourage you with those words today. Listen, the Lord has sent me here or the Lord has had me come here today to encourage you with those words today. That guys, we have to hold on to a preferred future with him. And that's what the Lord has for us today. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for stirring us with the scripture today.